Hello, and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Corin. Yeah, and I'm Dr. Dave Lundquist. And today we're going to talk about something that's extremely important for anyone who is working with animals, and we're going to limit it to working with animals today, horses, dogs, cats, and that is establishing trust. This is something that we've worked on since we've started our animal practice, I think, is working with developing trust in an animal because when the animal trusts you because we have people say all the time oh man i don't i don't think you're never going to be able to adjust my horse or you're never going to be able to adjust my dog doesn't like other people this and they go on and on and on but when you approach the animal and you introduce yourself to the animal and not just reach in grab them poke them and start your exam but actually say hello look into their eyes put your hands on them in a comforting hello type manner, not I'm going to just do this, because that's what builds distrust. It's really about introducing yourself in a way that creates relationship. And that means that it can be different for every animal that you are going to work on, whether it's laying your hands on or using a fascial tool or taping or acupuncture no matter what it is that is your technique, if that animal knows that you're there for its benefit, you get an entirely different level of cooperation. And like Wendy said, anytime you use something different other than your hands, if you're using a tool, let them smell the tool. If you're gonna put tape on them, let them smell the tape, let them look at it. They like the sound of when you open it up and the wrapper goes, they think, ooh, it's a treat. So they like that. But let them smell it. Let them get to know it. With our bales, sometimes we get horses with the bale just sitting outside the, at the door. They're snorting and pacing around because it makes them nervous. So you're not just going to throw them in there and jump up on top of them. You're going to introduce the bale. Let them smell it. Let them put their nose on it. Let them touch it. Let them use their sensory abilities to find out that it's not going to eat them. And... As you approach, let's, let's take the dog segment for a moment. I have it happen almost every day that someone says, you know, I don't think my dog's going to let you do this, or do you want me to muzzle the dog because it has been known to be aggressive? Now, be safe. There's no reason to risk yourself at all. I will say that in my experience, none of these animals has shown aggression to me because not only did I introduce myself and look them in the eye and not move quickly and put them in a flight, you know, in a, in a fear mode, but I also was strong and alpha. And remember, whether you're, it's a herd of horse mentality or a herd of dog mentality, there is hierarchy. A pack. A pack. A pack. <laughs> like, you, don't, you don't have dog herds where you are in my, in yeah. my town. Well, we, we have a herd in here. We have a herd on our feet right now. The, the point being that there's a way to look at a dog that says, I'm in charge of this situation. I'm safe. Not, I'm in charge of this situation and try to cower them and not, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. Because... If you are just a notch above 
in the hierarchy of the pack, you get respect. And this is something that you have to learn by interacting with a lot of different animals. Yep. And, and sometimes if you reach up and you grab the dog and you hold it securely or strongly, we got a 20-pound terrier mix. And if you reach up and you grab him securely and then try to do something to him, that 20 pounds turns into, it feels like a thousand pounds of muscle. There's nothing you're going to do that's going to hold him in place. But if you hold him and comfort him and let him and build, let him have that trust, like she said, that parasympathetic fight or flight system doesn't kick in and go, I got to get out of here. He relaxes calms down and then you can do what you need to do and the animals respond exactly the same way all of them do if they don't feel threatened they don't feel like they have to get away and they don't want to eat you which is another really lovely aspect of it we want them looking at us and go help me obi-wan you're my only hope you know that's that's the look that we're looking for and in that I have uh, worked on a number of dogs that were extremely active, and, and some of the pits and pit mixes can be like adjusting a whirling dervish. The other thing in establishing trust is you have to dance with them and move with them as opposed to restraining them. It's like Dave said, you don't want to hold on tight and create fear, but you also don't want to risk yourself or you know, uh, injure either you or the animal that you're there to help so by working with them and being very creative and I am probably more flexible now because of the positions I've had to get into to be able to maintain a contact in motion I cannot restrict myself to only helping animals that will stand still and you know allow anything to happen and sometimes you make an animal feel better and they get feisty We've had complaints. Now this animal is jumping all over the place. Used to be sedate. Yeah, pain does that. So the concept of trust has everything to do with presenting yourself, letting them smell you, letting them smell your tool, letting them smell your tape, letting them get to know you as though you were another one of them. And then... If you know there's an extremely sore spot on the back, in the jaw, on the paw, start elsewhere. Establishing the trust that you can touch them without causing discomfort. You guide them into range of motion, not pull them into range of motion. You invite them to turn their heads, not forcing them to turn their heads. You guide the leg back rather than pull the leg back. And you feel that willingness to work with you before you put your hands or tools on an area that have known discomfort. Yeah. Trust doesn't end with just you saying hello and introducing yourself and putting your hands on them for a second. Uh, I know one of the things that we do, even like uh, I get done with the front legs because we usually start at the coffin joint, work our ways up with horses. And we'll do that. And then I'll do the front legs and then I'll go to the head of the horse and then I'll, I'll pat them on, not pat them, or I'll stroke them on their third eye or on the top of their forehead and, or also on, on the shoulder that I've been working on because I like to comfort them before I go to the back end, the business end, and pick those back legs up. I want them to know that they can trust me 
and I believe in them, and we're going to work through this together. And it has helped so much. And it doesn't take that extra long of time to just keep coming back to the front of that horse and letting that horse know that, hey, we're getting through this together. This is really good. You've been really good. And thank you. And it's as Dave mentioned earlier, um, switching from, from dogs to horses now, that we carry these big styrofoam bales with us to be able to stand on them and work with the horse um, from a mounting block kind of perspective. But the, they don't know that, and they see this as something coming in that's potentially threatening. Remember, they are prey animals. I will sit outside the stall on my block, and I'll let them see me sitting on it. And then I'll let them smell it because it smells like four billion other horses and a bit of cleaning solution. So it allows them to take in through that gigantic sensory perceptor of a nose that they've got something that now smells familiar, not foreign, and they're more likely to let it near them. We've had horses where they won't pick up their legs, they're terrified of picking up their legs for any evaluation, and yet you can pick their feet. So we'll walk in the stall with a hoof pick and say, hey, we've got you, we're gonna pick your feet. And they go, oh, okay, that's all they're gonna do. Once you've done that, then they let you move on to the next level. And we'll pat them up by the withers if it's not sore. Because if you turn two horses out together that know each other, what's the first thing you see? They start grooming each other right up by the withers and saying, hey, pal, let's make each other feel good. Let's comfort each other. So we act as if we're already part of that family so that they can then take a deep breath, soften their eye, and allow us in to do the work we want to do. And remember also with horses, they don't have a corpus callosum. So just because they've seen it on the left side of their body doesn't mean they know what it is when you put it on the right side of their body. So when they see things on the other side of their body, it can be completely new and foreign to them. So again, you may have to reintroduce it. And sometimes I reintroduce myself as I go around the other side of the horse just to let the horse know yes, I'm over here now and we're going to do something from this side. Because some horses are more comfortable on one side than they are on the other. Just the way it works. I don't know why, but you have to work with the personality of each animal. And that's what becomes important because you have to acknowledge them and not just work on them. It really is all about making them feel as good as possible so that you can get the best results possible. When we'll use a PEMF, you know, for those of you who are familiar with the long, the loops that you'll put on a horse, and we've walked into a stall with this tube with a, you know, circle at the end, and they're like, you see their eyes bulge out, and they're like, you know you're thinking, snake, I know it is a gigantic, you know, boa constrictor, whatever. So, smell it. See, no, this does not have snake smell. Then, without turning the machine on, actually touch them all over and say, you know, this is grooming. I'm grooming you. And they go, yeah, I get it. Grooming is okay. I don't have to fight this. I don't have to be afraid of it. And then slowly introduce them to the process to a level of comfort. So 
everything can be done respectfully and everything can be done in a way that teaches them not to trust you and not to want you in there. We want them looking forward to us returning and sticking their heads, whether it's uh, the dog jumping, well, not jumping up. We like well-behaved dogs that just wag their tails a lot, although they jump up. And the horses that nicker as you walk in the barn and bang on the stall if they're not on the list because their experience is one that was positive from start to finish. I remember the time we did that we did that real high-end racehorse and we were in the stall and it was it was excitable. You know, I'm not gonna tell you it wasn't excitable, but we were able to do everything to that horse. We picked up all four legs, we adjusted everything from the nose to toes on that horse. And we walked out of the stall, and there were three of us at the time. We walked out of the stall, and the vet happened to be walking by, and he goes, you got out of that, you got out of that stall without getting kicked? No one comes out of that stall without getting kicked. We developed trust, were careful, did our job, acknowledged the horse, and were able to get out without getting anybody getting hurt. There's so many ways to establish and then maintain that trust because one thing also is you can lose it. You can establish it, they let you in, and then you do something that is not respectful and they're not going to give you another chance. Or just something painful. Or just something painful. If I adjust something and that horse gives me the ears back or the dog you know, will growl at me, I acknowledge that and say, you know what, that hurt you. I am sorry I hurt you. I'll pet them. I'll go to another spot. I'll immediately try to create comfort so that we can get through it. We can move beyond it. And then I'll retouch that area in a way that doesn't hurt so that I can connect the pleasure through the area that was uncomfortable and on to another area that feels good and reprocess it and actually reformat their brain about that and about their relationship with me. And we do that with the tape. You know, I, I, and we learn this by doing it wrong. You know, you take your tape, you have them smell it, you think it's great, you start to apply kinesiology tape onto an area and all of a sudden it flaps in the wind and that horse is gone because you just spooked it. And so then you have to unspook it you got to redevelop that trust back. And this is one of the things that we really have stressed many times in our courses is when you finish up with an animal, always do something nice for it. So it remembers, the last thing it remembers is what you did nice. Because horses seem to remember really well what didn't work for them. And so leaving them with something that makes them feel good or changes their state at the time, they'll remember that next time you come back and your job gets easier and easier. We've had, quote, quote, difficult horses that started off difficult, but once they developed trust in us and we left them feeling good and gave them something that encouraged them and came back, and every time we come back, pretty soon they're anxious. They're waiting to see us. They're happy to see us. Really, really important developing trust. And it's fun because sometimes the after adjustment and after therapies or whatever else we're doing will take out that fascial tool and use it with the technique 
that's about stimulating the interoceptors, which are, are not correctly, but commonly thought of as the pain receptors. And by soothing them as the last thing I do and running it over and they're like, oh, and you watch them take a breath with um, whether the dogs will often shake from head to toe. The horses will breathe so deeply that they, their ribs may have been sucked in before and now they round out, they look like they've gained 50 pounds because they're actually taking these large, comfortable breaths, and then I'll walk up and put my hands under their nose so that the what they associate, the smell that they're having as their last association with that comfort is, oh, that's what comfort smells like. Not a treat, because that's not what I, they can get that from anybody, whether things are good or bad. I want them to actually associate, to build the trust with me and with us and with the procedures that we're bringing there. So we invite you to begin to get to know every animal, whether it's yours or a client's, know them, enjoy the uniqueness of that relationship, and develop trust one at a time. This is Dr. Wendy Corrin. And this is Dr. Jenkinquist. And remember, go to Equiline. Dot com. If you need any further information, that's where we are. Oh, yeah. And the seminar is coming up November 7th, so there's four seats left.